Come on and join me on the B-side When movie stars that weren't in their prime Made all the movies that got left behind That got them covered on the B-side You're gonna like it on the B-side Cause you got Dan and Connor by your side Throwing your knowledge from the inside And now you're listening to the B-side Hello, everyone, and welcome to the B-Side for the film stage. Here we talk about movie stars and movie directors, not the movies that made them famous or kept them famous, but the ones that they made in between. And today we are talking to a filmmaker, a former guest, Mark Pellington, friend of the show, returns to talk to Dan Mecca about his new film, Survive, which is on VOD, starring Sophie Turner. And the two of them talk about a great many things, uh, including the nature of converting Survive from a Quibi show into a feature film, as well as Mark Pellington's experiential dance film, The Severing, uh, which you can also watch on VOD or get on Blu-ray. It's a really great 45-minute uh, conversation. Mark, as ever, gives incredible insights just about the industry and getting projects made, uh, as well as his own work and other work that he admires. He's extremely generous with his insights, so we hope you enjoy this conversation with Dan Mecca and our guest, filmmaker Mark Pellington. Thanks for jumping on. Good to see you again. It's been... You too. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. When was that was December was that Q&A, right? For going all the way? Yes, sure. But yeah, Survive. So I, I'll just, I mean, there's plenty to talk about. So with Survive, right, which I watched a couple nights ago, we had talked briefly about it when you were on last time. What came up was, and this is kind of what I'm most curious about, you know, it became that the Quibi show. But obviously, what was the, I guess, what was what was the nitty gritty process of like, okay, let's make it a movie. And obviously, I, I feel like you mentioned when you were shooting it, you had the mind of like, it'll become a movie. So we got to be aware of the 16-9, you know, the horizontal element, but you're kind of shooting for vertical. I guess, what was that whole process like ultimately? Right. So when I was approached to do it for Quibi, we go back to 2000, early 2019. Yeah. Everybody in the world was jumping on the Quibi bandwagon. Yeah. This was like a a too-good-to-be-true offer for people to make their films and their pieces to be, you know, put into small episodes. And 18 months later, you would keep the rights and could sell. 18 months later, right, you're basically licensing your movie to a short form mobile app, right? So you want to go right. make a movie, great. We'll give you the movie in 10 minute pieces. You can have an exclusive view for 18 months on mobile, which is what they needed to kind of own that space. And then you could go sell the movie to a streamer, to wherever. It's like, so basically that somebody's financing your film. I'm simplifying the deal, but that was pretty much the promise that got everybody in the world wanting to work with Quibi. So that was a smart in inducement to people, yet it didn't quite work out that way. Um, as we all know, the um, pandemic hit, 
the idea that people would be out and about looking at short their movies in between waiting in line at Starbucks or online at the train didn't quite come true. They didn't allow people to watch it on their phones and their laptops and their TV, which was kind of an assumption on their part, but kind of a misfire. Yeah. And in my mind, they put everything they made. I mean, I, I have nothing but kind words to say. They were very supportive of Survive, and I know it was one of their favorite shows. But when they put, when you release this app and they put everything on the table at the same time, docu-series, long-form movies broken up into chapters, comedic things, docs, everything was on the table like a buffet, and suddenly the salad and the dessert and the entrees are all mashed up. So people were reviewing the app and not really the series as much, uh, the pieces themselves. They're also giving people three episodes, 30 minutes, or four episodes, 40 minutes, and then expected to review that. The way they do in television is great. They show them the first three episodes, but three hours of a TV show is certainly enough to kind of tell you about the promise of what that is. I'm not sure that 30 minutes is enough to really review Survive. It kind of tells you what the front part of it, and especially in our case, the survival aspect of the film doesn't show up till about 30 minutes in. So people thought it was a mental health film. People thought it was a movie about a girl with suicidal thoughts and self-harm. That's what they thought the movie was. And a lot of people never even got past the first two chapters because of that. So all that being said, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. but in my vision, I was sent this script without any episodic breaks. I read it as a movie, shot okay. it as a movie, okay. and looked at it as like, here's a movie, Yes, you're chopping it up into nine-minute segments, but you know you you edit movies kind of in sequences and acts and motion and movements, right? Yeah. So make sure everything something happens interestingly every nine minutes. Do you think it's you know it's funny? Do you think it? I mean, this is totally just a. Do, do you think the model would have worked without the pandemic? I guess it's an impossible question. I mean, I understood it. It was such an unfortunate timing scenario, but I mean. It was it, the 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 idea was interesting, but it's a curious question. I wonder if it would have would have caught on. I think on. it looks to say they had said, "Great, you can watch it on your laptop and your TV." Right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It would have been, "Hey, here's another streaming outlet." Yet we also can show it on your phone. The idea of watching it on chapters would people have watched on their laptop people used to 30 minute episodes 10 minute episodes i think certain shows that were on there were perfectly suited for 10 minute chunks yeah right? there's things movies in 10 minute chunks well mm. it's funny it's so funny you mentioned because you know, like i said i watched it a couple nights ago i i i was i knew of the show when quibi was on but frankly i i didn't get to much to many of the quibi shows so i was actually it's some of it's funny you mentioned because i was thinking of it while i watched was while i was watching it and i had that exact thought of like 30 minutes into the movie right we have jane sophie turner's character she's really going through it she's kind of she has a larger plan she's getting released from you know this care facility that she's in but you're not really getting to the crux of you know the title 
it really until really between 30 and 40 minutes in. So I did it. I thought I was like, I wonder if there was like a cold open, like, a, you know, for the Quibi show. Like, was there any, but it sounds like there wasn't, but I no, sure. Yeah. Like in hindsight, some people were like, oh, we should have started with her at the airport and then flash back to da, 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 da. Well, you know, sure. Of course, when something's like not showing up, people can right. always, from the time I went to Latvia and Italy in the end of July to shoot, start shooting at the end of September, so less than eight weeks, shoot till November and come home and get it on the air, be ready to be delivered. Was We delivered the whole movie, everything, soup to nuts, in about eight to nine weeks. Oh, which wow. Which is less than the time you would have to even do just a director's cut. So That's insane. Yeah, it never got. It never got. Um, it, it it never got really. Um, it never got really. It's time to to test it to focus on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's look. I mean, yeah. I think that whole a lot of that was it, the whole the whole experiment was very quick. It felt. I mean, it was. It's fat. I mean. And now you're in a funny. I mean, look, it's very interesting. Streaming in general now is there's an interesting moment happening where, you know, the model itself seems to be breaking down. There's all these things happening, and at, like even to your larger point, I was on. I mean, this is even before Survive came out. You know, there's a movie called Most Dangerous Game with John Malkovich and Liam Hemsworth, and I'm like, that was a Quibi show. I, I'll, I'll watch that movie, right? It's like yeah. you know, you have these 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 alluring pieces of art like movies what have you that are now available on roku channel and you know whatever it is and it's fascinating yeah well you know what so we're finishing it and at the time the producers to their credit were like well look we're gonna we're gonna get to do the feature version down the road right um you know once uh, once it goes to quibi we'll be able to go back into it and We'll finish the feature version and stuff like that. And I was like, make sure. I, <laughs> are we certain of that? Why right. don't we just, the editor and I, the editor, we had already delivered the thing. We were already into mixing. I said, why don't we, why don't we just go do it? We got, we got a week. Smart. Let's just go do it. And so we have it in the can. So Smart. people say, hey, can we look at it? So we quickly, you squeeze the episodes together. And you're like, the good thing about each episode being tight, usually you watch a movie the first cut, and you're like, ah, it's a little long, or it's too... This thing moves like a bad sheet. If anything, we're like... And it does. It does, And it does move. I mean, as a movie, Let's it's... put this back in. Let's add some larger on a lot of the aerials. Let's, like, let them stretch out because they were too long. I don't think they were too long on the small screen. They're fine. So you're taking a six-second aerial shot, and making it ten seconds, right? You're make, you're letting some stuff breathe in the transitions. Didn't take that long, you know. You track the things for the composer to remix and stretch out certain sequences, smooth out the transitions, and we got it done. A quick mix and the cut done in a week, and we were able to watch it and be like. Okay, good. I said, look, if you want to, this is very acceptable. If later you're showing it to buyers and blah, 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 and we want to do this or that, great, we can do it. I just was happy that that's what we had finished it. 
that ended up being the thing that is now going out in the world. There was yeah. no going back to it. And it's fine. I was happy with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's um, uh, it's such a fact. I mean, and look, here's the thing with your whole career. And I, I feel like we didn't even touch on this enough last time. One of the, to me, one of the many fascinating things about, I mean, maybe you've been doing this for a long, long time, as, as, as we kind of talked about last time, but like, I feel like you have worked in every nook and cranny technically of this medium or like an adjacent medium. Like I was just even going back, like you made U2 3D, right? Which was like at the time a big deal because it was 3D, it was kind of, 3D was coming back. It was before Avatar came out, right? It was like, no. it was right in that moment, yeah. um, it, you know, you know the severing which we'll talk more about in in a, in a second you know you're taking you know some cues from pina sure but it's a very different film and like that's its own kind of beautiful thing that feels that type of you know that type of movie making feels like in these corners of everybody has their own type of thing they watch that feels like it's coming back. And so obviously the severing is kind of a newer piece of work. So it's like, you have that, but then you have the MTV stuff, right? You're kind of helping invent the music video. What is a music video? Right? You're, you're very early in that. So it's just, I mean, you, you, you have been wisened by all of these, you know, the Sundance well, movie, you know, obviously, you know, it's just I, mean, I, like, I like making things. Yeah. And the career has had its, there's, 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 I don't call it a career anymore. It's just, there's a body of work. Right. First music video in 1984 to, you know, next year will be 40 years. God. 40 years that I've literally been making stuff. I have a book coming out that's going to kind of right. talk about the whole career called The Visualist. And it's just, what is it like making things, creating things, going through the process of telling stories, making images, uh, creating meaning and expressing emotion from videos to commercials to documentaries to short form to TV to movies, from network TV, from analog to digital, from broadcast to YouTube, from small screens and thumbnails like this big, the marketing of a movie is like, well, how's that? eighth of an inch thumbnail poster. Well, you can kind of say survive and <laughs> not much more. Right. You looking at 12 posters for your first movie that are going to be on posters and ads. In my office, I've got a old newspapers from 1998, 2006, where like you open up a paper from 1998, 1999, Arlington Road, for L.A. Times, page after page, ads, full page, quarter page, half page ads. You should see the amount of theaters that these movies used to play in. Oh, my right? dude. We, we talked about movies playing in theaters. So the world has changed so much. Consumption has changed. Technology has changed. So navigating through that. It's, yeah. As a storyteller and image maker... I only I respond to the material I respond to. I can't make myself 35. I can't make <laughs> myself anything that I'm not. And I just tr I just look at stuff, whether it's a dance film or redoing going all the way or any movie that I hope to be coming out in the next year or five years. It's changed. It's not. It's a lot harder to get certain kinds of movies made. It's a lot 
harder to get them financed, to get actors. So the business has really changed. And all I do is I just keep doing what I've always done. Trust my instincts, have faith in myself. And what is it that I can create now? And sometimes there's a big audience. Sometimes there's a small audience. You know, you can't control. Do you ever, like, from a technical standpoint, has has there ever been a hard... Has there ever had has there ever been a hard pivot for you? Like, have you ever struggled with? Oh, you know what? We're gonna do it on. Okay, we got to do it on this camera. Okay, let me recalibrate my process. No, not really. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. Oh, okay, okay. I made a whole movie <laughs> called uh, "I Melt with You," right? In right. 2011 on the 5D. Oh, that um, was on the 5D. Okay. I was so frustrated that a movie wasn't going. And I was like so frustrated as I've got to make a movie. And I called my friend, Glenn, who had this script that I remembered being pretty contained. And I remember taking Steven Soderbergh to lunch because mm. I had been a fan of his and I was on a DGA thing and I said, can I take you to lunch? He said, sure. And he's such an open, giving, wise guy. And I said, would you ever put your own money into a movie? And he goes, absolutely. You have to will a movie into existence. Mm. So I started bankrolling. I melt with you and was able to convince a producer to help me kick in a little more money. And we said, we're shooting this movie. And you said, you're green lit. So when people were like, well, who's financed? He said, we are. It's finance. We're shooting in August. And... We went and got actors and shot in 18 days up in Big Sur for about 700000 bucks uh, on the 5D with a crew of about 10 people, and that changed my life. You didn't need trucks. You didn't need the whole machinery. You just had to have the will and a way. So shooting that way, whether it's 5D or a bigger cam, has totally influenced me since that, since that time. And it improves your aspects of getting nostalgia I made in 2018, same way. Financed it myself with my brother. Okay. bucks, 19 days. Good looking movie though. I mean, I'm, I met with you is good looking, but it's you're you're seeing the pixels more. Artifact. And sure. I met with you. And that but, was the 5D at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Sure enough, yeah. you go to the way cameras are now. Yeah, nostalgia. You could have told me that was. I mean, maybe like an Alexa or something, but it looks really nice. I thought, yeah. Well, it was it was a uh, Alexa. Okay. And go out right now, and go take three Black Magic cinema cameras, and it would be like gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. It's true. Yeah. So you put you know great film lenses on those, and I just did a ten thousand dollar music video with Renee Zellweger for this song. Um, called Two Steps from my friend Party Talkington. It's beautiful. Mm. It's just, you look at it and you're like, it looks like a movie. Mm. Great cinematographer, Eric Schmidt. He's got his own large format, you know, Alexa. So the technology is there, you know, it's just 100%. still getting, you still got to get the actors to get you over the, right. over the hump. Yeah, it's fascinating, man. Yeah, it's like, Cause, um, but yeah, to your point, just bringing it back quickly, Arlington road and how you like that trailer, even before, cause I would have been, I was a kid when the movie came out and I saw it not too long after, but that 
trailer felt ubiquitous in my kid brain and like it felt so um it felt so specific that like i still remember it you know like now you know 2023 so it's like to your point like marketing it's so true it's i mean not that what i mean you know we don't need to go down that rabbit hole but you're right it's like the poster with bridges and that was a robbins were they both on it it was like God, geez, it's so funny how much has changed. And just even the the existence of that movie <laughs> getting a wide release is just like now. I don't even know what does that movie come out at if it comes out at all. Is it IFC Center for like two weeks? And it's like, oh, I don't even who's starring in that movie now. You know what I mean? I don't even know. It's like yeah, no, it's 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 you know, look, it's changed and everything changes and the. I was bringing up a movie to a writer the other day, and we were talking about tone. And, like, uh, the specific thing we were working on, I I took, I uh, said, can you imagine promising young women the menu? Yeah. Uh, the Netflix movie, We Care A Lot. Um, and there was one other one. I said, those are contemporary movies, right? Yeah, and they were all like pitch black, like to say they black comic satire, right? But this was like, this was the tone of the movie that this writer was kind of developing, and he was talking about some older movies, like a '90s movies. And I said, you know what? That's great, and that's a great inspiration, but you've got to think in terms of the context of recent releases and i and here i'm not saying recent cinema as ted hope says my friend ted or right. movies it's just like recent uh two hour movie narrative experiences right yeah is it big screen is it small screen you know we're doing the survive screening that uh, Freestyle is releasing digitally. It's on. It's going to be on cable, VOD, all those things. People will be able to watch it the way that they're watching most films. Most people are consuming them at home, VOD. Well, you know. Look, I look. I watched it. You know, 13 inch MacBook Pro. I got my baby in the thing. You know, I'm I'm jotting down notes. I'm watching it. I'm not not watching it. But to your point, right. it's like. We do live in this age of like, you know, now I will say you say that and you're right. But then at the same time, and this is what I think I appreciate you say you're you know, a visualist. And I would argue the severing is a one where you really want to sit down and watch it. Now, you could certainly watch it on a small, you know, container. But that was when I turned it on. I was like, OK, let me just like. Let me actually wait till it's nighttime and like and and the severing of <laughs> that turn experimental dance film will be, you know, theater. Oh, I can't imagine. I bet it's great. It's, it's very. It forces you to let yourself in. Mm. It's funny. Here's the difference. The difference. It doesn't have a plot. Sure. So it's an experiential dance film, and the difference between screening it for. 50 people, we screened it for 50 people in New York at a tiny Alamo draft house, right? And I've screened it for like 
80 to 90 people or 100 people at the American Cinematheque in Los Feliz. When we had close to 200 people at the Brain Dead, I noticed about 55 minutes in, you look you, a little restlessness in the audience, mm. right? The larger the theater, the more you're watching it and the more you, you want cause and effect. You watch a movie like, when does the movie start? Okay, it's 20 minutes in. I'm following somebody. Where is the narrative? Where's the plot going? I'm following around the character. He's walking around. Look, even under the skin, right? Sure. Incredible film. You're following um, Scarlett Johansson. What is she? What's she doing? She's picking yeah. up. And then she's going, and they're going to this weird place. Now she's at the rocks, and now she's in the forest. There's enough of a plot mm -hmm. to follow. The Great Beauty, Sorrentino. Oh, I love it, yeah. Plot is an old guy walks around and remembers. But <laughs> so much more to it. So I, I think about this all the time, about character and plot. And if you follow a character, you'll go really far. Somebody like The Severing, there's no one character. You start to make these associations with sure. people. But it's hard for people to watch... It's hard for a lot of people to watch something without a plot. Well, yeah, look, I mean, look, obviously, yes. Like the severing is not is not designed to make, you know, fifty million dollars and no you know one would ever expect it to. Or but even I think, fifty dollars. <laughs> but I think I mean look, I, I went to school uh at Buffalo, SUNY Buffalo, and you know, it was a good film program, but the the underrated thing about that program and a really, I, st I still am so appreciative of it is we watched um, a lot of like Hollis Frampton, Paul Sheritz, like, um, like who, uh, God, who just passed away, Kenneth Anger, right? Like yep. that, that was a lot of my film school, right? So like I was really... You know, because that was what those teachers taught. And like there was, sure. you know, squeaky wheel up there. We'd go in like small little screening room. And so so you're versed in experimental film. Well, so, but my point being like, yeah. So I think it's, you're right. There, There's a muscle required in this day and age. Good, good expression. That, that you're, that you're, you're not wrong about. But, I, but I, what I always try to, I'm not one to like throw movies on people. If I don't think someone's going to like a movie, I'm not going to force it. That being said, if you're going to allow me the breath to talk about it, like it, what, what a movie like the severing and the severing is, it's a very well done movie like that. I think is also an important thing to say. Like it might be a hard first 20 where you're kind of like, like I, I watch a lot of silent movies and for, even for me, like I'll, I'll be watching these movies and I, and you're right. Like 10 minutes in, I'm like, okay, like Buster's walking around. What are we going to do here? And then once the thing, seven chances, okay, the thing kicks in. It's like, he's got to marry someone. It's like, okay, here we go. Let's go. All right. So yeah. you're right. It's like, I, I feel that too. But um, it's the intention. The but intention. I think it reminds me of, and this is a totally, but like, this is a fully plot driven movie, but I always recall seeing Zodiac in a theater. And the thing that happened to me was, and it had not happened to me a lot. And I was in college. I remember like feeling engulfed by it like you know very like i was like very stressed out and then towards the end of that film Hall's character gray smith he goes down into that la basement 
and you think he is going to fucking get killed. And I remember being like sweating, like being like, get out of there. Like I was like very in the basement with him. I think the severing, the thing about a movie like the severing is you can get to that place with that, with that movie, right? Like sure can. Yeah. And certainly watching it, even on my little MacBook pro one, like I'm saying, like, you know, it's scary like that. Uh, there are scary sequences in the severing, which I mean, there's no gore. There's no, you know, there's no tangible, you know, like it's, oh, but it's it feels, in your head. but it's, but, but the dancing and the, the visceral kind of, you know, there's a lot of entanglement, whatnot, and a, you know, a lot can be extrapolated from all these things. It, it really like stays with you and it, uh, it lingers on. So I think you're right, but also I would just encourage people. And I think a lot of our listenership, obviously, we we like talking about these lesser, you know, seen movies sometimes. I think yeah. there is a, it's worth saying like, you know, it's an hour. It's an hour and 10 minutes. It's like- Yeah, and it's on, it's on Kino Lorber. It's on Kino Now. You can buy a Blu-ray of it. The Blu-ray's yeah. got great commentary tracks. I mean, it's out there. That's the whole point is that I was so grateful, even with Kino, it's like, it's out there in the yeah. world. It's out there in the world. I made this half hour film also during, right before COVID, during COVID, with Alfie Allen from um, uh, Game of Thrones. Yep, yep. Girl named Madeline Pest from Riverdale, and Peter Bogdanovich. Ah, uh, R.I.P. I think it's Peter Bogdanovich's last film appearance. Wow. It's a weird, scary, dark, beautiful, dream-like narrative, 30 minutes, called Nightwalkers. Nightwalkers. Never released it. Lie. It's Alex Proyas's, uh online site called Vidiverse has it. But I've never kind of posted on my website. I've never done anything with it. And I'm like, what do you do with this half hour, you know, thing? Next year, this company is going to release a three DVD Blu-ray of all my short stuff, right? Yeah. Things like that. 40-minute films I've made, 20-minute films over, over 30 years. There's a lot of stuff that never saw the light of day. And you want it to get out there and the thing is with this short and i'll send it to you because Please. now that you've talked about kenneth it's it's an experimental film yeah i know what the story is but it's, it unfolds very much like a dream and it's very impressionistic and very abstract and very beautiful and like but it's not plot driven and i was shocked actually that a bunch of festivals didn't take it because you think oh like a few yeah. European ones did, but no American festivals took it. And it's got names got Peter Bogdanovich in it, for God's sakes. Yeah. It's just like, man, everybody wants everybody wants it easy. Everybody wants it the log line, the digestible, easy to process story. If it, I think if it's a short burst, like in this TikTok world, you can get really weird. And I do think there is a digestibility. 30 seconds? Well, well, this is my point. With this younger generation, you know, look, I always, I, I, I joke with my wife all the time. I feel like the oldest person ever in their mid-30s because it's like, I just like so far. 
away from all that stuff, but I'm not that old. You know what I mean? And I'm like a, and I'm a producer by day. So I work on a lot of branded stuff. So like, just like even the whole influencer thing is like a whole big part of my life that I, I can never wrap my head around. Like even just like, Oh, this person is an influencer. They have the followers. And I'm like, okay, but like, what is, what are they doing? What is the, and then they're in these, and it's just, and no, look and nothing against any, any of those people. It's not, it's just like, I, 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 it is a whole new situation. People to spend money. Yeah. I mean, look, when the rubber meets the road, it's not much different really from, I guess the way it's always been. I think the thing that makes it different is like, what else do they do? I think that's kind of where you're like, usually what do they do? What do they make? That's what I'm saying. That's the difference would be, what is the thing that drove them to become if the influence is the only thing that seems a little i i don't really understand that but yeah but. you know what i remember i remember sitting in my office when i worked at mtv and i was an associate producer and i made promos in between the videos right 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 all i did was watch tv and watch videos and new reels would come out of new videos I remember seeing like Jonathan Demi's video for New Water or Sam Peckinpah did a video for Julian Lennon mm-hmm. or different feature guys would make music videos. And I was 25, 24 at the time. And I was like, these suck. <laughs> They're so slow, right? They're right. slow, <laughs> boring. Oh my God. And I was so arrogant and making stuff so fast, right? And like fast, speed, 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 speed. All the way through my 20s, it was like, because that's the way that I saw the world, right? So it's no different than kids now being like, Jesus, that's slow. That doesn't. You know what's funny? You're reminding me, and maybe you might have some context to add to this. Darius Walski came on our show uh, like a couple of years ago. He got nominated for News of the World, right? Good movie. Great he looking looked, movie. looks great. So we're talking to Walski, awesome guy. Um, and he shot Romeo is Bleeding, okay? And that movie got eviscerated by critics. Like, it was hated. Hate, like really disliked okay but and you can have whatever opinion you want to have about the content right it feels very of a piece pulp fiction was right in that space i think it came out before pulp fiction but nowadays it feels like you know things to do in denver when you're dead pool hall junkies like all these things anyway but what me and darius and we connor we were talking about we were laughing we were like yeah but you know what's funny is that movie you watch it now so much shit came after that movie that looks exactly like that. Like that movie was on the bleeding edge. Like take away whatever scripts, whatever. Like just the wow. look and the pace, it was right on the bleeding edge. So it's like the critics and that, you know, you can't predict that, I guess. But it's like the beauty of time going on is you look back at something like that, Romeo's bleeding, and you're like, God, everything looks like that. Like that was 93. It's like, so. Was it 93? I believe it was 93. Yeah. Yeah. Out. You know, you watch stuff and you're like looking at something in the eighties. I would, you know what I watched the other day? Tell and me. It blew my mind and I hadn't watched it in forever. So I'm watching Terminator, right? I flip sure. on a million. I'm like, Oh, this is, 
wow, it's like kind of punk rock. Hell yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, it's like a 70s movie. It's like a (laughs) 70s B movie, right? Car chases, handheld, like kind of grainy. Yeah, definitely grainy. Um, And I'm like, this is a 70s movie. And my vision was like, oh, Terminator T2, the effects, right? So I remember when that came out. And I'm like, God, 1984 feels like a 70s movie in a way that like, so that 93 movie was kind of ahead of the curve in terms of that independent, you know, I'm sure that Tony Scott saw Romeo's Bleeding. Do you know what I mean? 100%. I'm sure Guy Ritchie was influenced by Romeo's Bleeding. Totally. so that whole crime, that well, whole look, crime. To, well, Tony, Tony, I mean, RIP, look at his, his, like, his, his now, in my opinion, like, miracle run in the early 2000s, right? Where it's like Spy Game, Man on Fire, Domino, Deja Vu, where he's like, I, I, I love all of those movies. I really do, right? And it's like, he's literally just, you know. On fire, Literally, like breaking film stock, look, you know, acid look, tones. Like, and, no, and I know, I know. Now everything like looks like that. Cameron, yeah, and Craig cameras the whole Amazing. thing. The um, huge respect for both Scots. I mean, incredible. And I think you give him a great script, he knocks it out of the park. Man on fire, great script. Domino, huh. unstoppable, huh. <laughs> great scripts. Look, enemy sure. of the state. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, the state's a masterpiece. And also, people never give it enough credit for a literally, but people never give it enough credit for being a, a sneaky, unofficial sequel to oh, the conversation. So ahead of its time. Enemy of the state. I just love that they, I always love they got Gene Hackman to basically play the Harry Call character 25 years later is the most insane. That movie, that movie <laughs> fucking holds up. I'm telling you. It's a good you. movie. It's a good movie. Yeah. A I movie. Agree holds up I was watching some other techno oh i was You're, watching yeah hackers the other yeah, day yeah sure hackers yeah hackers is it ian ian softly uh, wasn't that that was ian softly yeah, yeah. softly yeah it's fun talking about all, all this stuff with you just because it's like i think you can chart so much of it just like you're saying looking back it's like there's so much fascination and kind of how everything has been done is being done now. And I think it's right to bring it back to what you said. Like when you're talking about creating now, you can use those older landmarks as reference points. But I think you like logically speaking, and look, one of the other things, what's great talking to you about these things is you have a practicality to the work that I think sometimes gets lost. I think sometimes in a lot of these shows, podcasts, whatever, there's a lot of romanticism. And I think that's great. I get it. But like, look, like I said, producer by day, like, you know, there's a grind to it. And there's like a practicality to like, what can be achieved? Let's not act like we can all make Avatar the way of water, which look great. Happy it exists. Right. Like, uh, like that. You have to be able to struggle and face adversity and have no said you all the time. I get sand kicked in my face every day, every fucking day. Yeah. If it was that easy, I'd have three movies lined up right now in a row. It's really hard if you make stuff that you care about 
I can't click my brain to be like, oh, I'll make that or, you know, and so I did survive. I did survive because I thought it was a good script. Yeah. Like, this is a commercial movie. This is a commercial piece, right? Action, adventure. I'll learn a lot making it. Oh, it'll be fun to go to. I liked that it was going to be done in a short amount of time, right? It wasn't like, oh, a year and a half. I needed a job. It was fun. I like Sophie Turner, right? Yep. Oh, wow. Shooting a mountain and a plane, all these things. Like, how do you do that for a a budget? You know, you're meeting these these challenging budget demands. You can't just throw money at it. As a filmmaker, it was a fun experience. I never shot yeah. a wolf attacking a woman in the forest and have yeah. drones going through the forest. And like I was like, oh, God, my references for that were like, the blue and green forests of of the piano, right? And Jane oh, cool. Kennedy. Yeah, great like reference. The lookbook yeah. I had for that was like the same intensity as the lookbook for something else. Once you immerse yourself into it, you're working with the crew, you get better with every film. I kind of got a little effects monkey off my back that I had not done that many effects things, like working with them on the ledge and the mountaintop, and you see them, I'm like, yeah, that looks like they're really on a mountain. Then other effects, when you're like, ah, they jump from a ledge to a tree, you're like, it's a little, but it's also narratively like, okay, we saw that done in Cliffhanger. We've seen that a lot. We're not narratively reinventing the wheel. We didn't literally have the budget to attach cameras to a stunt. You know, we couldn't make it as visceral. So you're like, okay. They get down and they climb the old jump through the trees to land on the ground, right? Yeah, yeah. And you're like, okay, but an avalanche, right? You're like, wow, an avalanche, that seems really scary. Avalanches are very uncinematic because it's a big wall of mountain. It's a big wall of snow that you can't really tell how fast it's moving. Right. That's part of that was the end when the snow hit the person and you're shooting a stunt guy who's on the rigs and he gets pulled out and the shot's in the trailer, right? And he gets, boom, thrown back. And you're like, you feel it, right? You feel like that's what the impact was like, right? So let's stretch out the impact. Yeah. You know, you've never done an avalanche. I'd never done a bridge collapsing. You do it in Mothman. You never do a car chase till you do it, Right. Those are all fun things to do when you have the time to do it, to mix those things with some heart and drama and some memory and trauma. And so that's why I did the movie. I'm proud of it. Is it reinventing the wheel? No. I hate that lazy people are like, oh, it's like the mountains between us. Well, okay, because it's got a African-American man and a white woman on a mountain after a plane crash. It's very different. <laughs> very different. It's very right? different. Yeah. Very different. Well, now, I don't want to, I don't, look, I don't want to, I don't mind that movie. I don't, I don't want to besmirch any movie, but. No, me neither. But me neither. pacing, but I brought a pacing before and I would just say 
survive moves and i think one of the one of the things with the mountains between us that i struggled with is it doesn't move quite the same right i think that's maybe what you run into with a movie like that it's like it's a little laborious and you know i hate well to, you know what on that but, movie and yeah. here's my test of a movie yeah i would watch that movie and i would be looking at a shot and i'd be like man i feel the video village behind me i look <laughs> My left, I feel the craft service table. I feel the trucks behind me. Yeah. You know, when you do that and you feel it behind you, I just watched Top Gun. I never felt that. Not one shot. I was yeah. always inside of it. But I think the mountains between us was, it was very objective and very like studied. Yeah, studied is a good word. You know, and you're not... And you're studies all a good word. There, yeah. And you're like, oh wait, 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 we gotta put some some freeze stuff on Kate's face. Right. You just you felt the attention and it took away the kind of Well healing. look and look, survive look, and I know you gotta go. So but like survive, like the other thing too is like you know, you can you can parse, you know, the mental, you know, the mental illness elements of it all you want, but I think traditionally I mean, you've made a very, you know, we're talking about like movies from the past and stuff. And I think what gets lost, I think, in a lot of these bigger films now is like, yeah, look, you care about Sophie Turner. Like, you know, you you take the time to set up, you know, what this person's going through and the stakes of her whole thing. OK, yep. so like. That really does not happen a lot anymore. It's really true. Like, I feel like this is well-worn territory. I we don't need to, like, kill it's it. It's a traditional like, first act. But it's good. There's a reason it's traditional. Because it's like, once you're there, you're like, okay, all right, here we go. Let's get out of this thing a little bit, right? You're like, so I think I just, it felt, that was the other thing is even though you're, it, it feels new in some respects and you're kind of mixing mediums in some ways and, you know, incorporating, you know, different techniques with, you know, oh, they're jumping, let's throw the camera into the tree. And okay, that's great. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like you said, there's a tried and true nature to where you really care about what's happening. So yeah, I mean, yeah. Hey, at good the end of the day, yeah. I use my circular uh, Tony Scott, uh, Bruckheimer, uh, helicopter long lens fantasy. One of my favorite, that's one of my favorite shots he ever did in Spy Game where it's literally there on top of that building and it's just exposition. And you think Tony Scott literally is like, well, this is the most boring scene in the world. So I guess what I'll do is just fly a helicopter around a building. No, when you're on the top of the Dolomites <laughs> and you're like, and you're scouting it with a helicopter, you're like, holy shit, of course I have to do it like that. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I'd never done that shot before. Yeah, that's amazing. Right? Yeah. No, and it, and it works. I it works. did a pilot for Jerry Bruckheimer one time. And I said, Jerry, I did a few for him. And we were in one of them. We were rising up, following a helicopter into a nighttime, like FBI raid with searchlights and stuff. So I got to do the helicopter following the helicopter shot, right? And Bruce was like, another Bruce was like, what are you so excited about? I said, I get to tell Jerry that I'm getting to do the shot that he did. In this movie, this movie, filmmakers <laughs> want to do that. You know what I mean? Thank you for for taking the time. It's great to talk again. Always, um, always a pleasure. You know, here's the good thing about Survive. Like, 
I'm excited that it's ultimately going to be on VOD and it's going to be on cable. I watch half of my films flipping through direct TV and be like, oh, what's on Showtime? I always find the movie that I like. Yeah. Last night I watched Sean Durkin's movie, The Nest. Oh, good movie. Incredible movie. Great I, movie. I yeah. watched that. The day before I watched League of Their Own. Great. Right? I go through, I can always find something yeah. I like, you know, and that's, that's what I want to do. I just want to make another movie for people's libraries that they can watch it and then they can go online and say, that sucked. Or <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> that sucked. Oh, Mark, thanks, man. This is good. I appreciate my it. My pleasure. Uh, and in the immortal words of my mother, Mickey Pellington, she said, that's why they have 31 flavors, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you ain't going to please everybody. I literally think my grandmother said that. I, right, I, so I literally think that... I, we make I, a movie. The production company is going to be called 31 Flavors. That's a good... You know what? Not a bad not a bad name for a production company. Not a bad name. You got... Hey, you look. You got a producer right here if you ever need one. You let me know. Yeah. Um, have a good day, man. I appreciate it. Good talking to you. See you soon. And there you have it. Uh, again, we're so grateful for Mark to uh, return and take the time. As usual, he's uh, such a great and fascinating dude to talk to. Like we mentioned, you can catch Survive and The Severing both on VOD. Uh, the Severing is also on Blu-ray, as we mentioned. If you like what you've heard here, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, and you can give us a follow at TFSBside on Twitter, Facebook, and Letterboxd. Also, just a quick plug, uh, over on the Film Stage Show feed, as well as on YouTube and Spotify, you will be able to catch a new audio and video podcast version of Cinephile Game Night, which is going to be returning bi-weekly as Cinephile Summer. So keep, uh, keep your ears and eyes peeled on the feed for that. Um, our first episode is with the Letterboxd show, and that should be dropping imminently. So... Just be ready for that. Uh, and uh, in a couple weeks, we will be back with uh, one of our more traditional episodes as we go through the B-sides of Orlando Bloom. Uh, we talk with our dear friend Roxana Haddadi about Ned Kelly, uh, Haven, and uh, most importantly, the Kingdom of Heaven director's cut. So we hope you enjoy that once it drops. And until then, thanks for listening. And now you're listening to the B-sides.